Welcome to episode seven of Collect Football Live. Uh, today we're going to be talking about cards from South America. And as I was trying to prepare this, there was just a lot of regional issues and a lot of things like that. I think I'm going to have to break this down into two different episodes. I think what we'll do uh, is kind of skip Brazil a little bit. I mean, I'll rattle off some names for Brazil, but most of them are like once you get into the 50s, like if their history wasn't very uh, positive in the early years of their, you know, of their team. Um, there's a player, Arthur uh, Friedenreich. He is probably the biggest name for Brazil, like earlier than that. Some of the defensive players started their careers in like the 30s, but most of the t- like national team success didn't come until the 50s. So they went about 30 years in between winning any sort of um, South American title. Uh, I think they won something in 1922, and then the next thing they won was in um, uh, 1951. Their history uh, started out not very positive, but of course we all know uh, what happened from the 50s on. So the easy way to figure it out is just see who the players were for um, the uh, 58 team. Uh, in the 62 team, uh, because most of the guys who were on both of those teams, you know, won two uh, World Cups, at least. So the big names are, were like, of course, Pele and then Garincha. Those are the two big, the big scorers. Uh, Garincha is actually probably would have been way more well known if he didn't, you know, share a team with Pele. So he's actually, I think, a guy who's a little bit undervalued at the moment. Like if you look at the prices of his cards, uh, his rookie is 1955 Idolos. Uh, most of them that you'll see have been taken out of albums. Uh, that's pretty common is what you see. Most of the Brazilian cards were actually like very thin paper. DD is another big name. But I mean, I would say that the, the first two I mentioned, obviously, are the two big names. Then most of the other guys kind of fall well below them. You can't go wrong uh, grabbing any anybody from Brazil from you know the 50s and 60s. They're just, it's just such leg- legendary teams. The two main countries other than Brazil, and they all kind of share the coastline together, is um, Argentina, of course, and then the small country in between the two of, of those, uh, Uruguay. So we'll start out with Argentina. We'll save Udu because they are the team that I focus on the most and I don't want to be talking about them all episode. So Argentina is actually the, like when we're, we're looking further back in time, back into the twenties, thirties, uh, they were the, uh, one of the powerhouses in South America during that time. Unfortunately, they had to play Uruguay. So, um, they lost a lot. Um, they finished in second in a lot of tournaments because, uh, Uruguay was just so good, but they had the the biggest league. Most of the players, actually, the known players, are from uh, Argentina because they just had the most you know successful leagues. And I guess I'm just going to rattle off some names, uh, and we'll kind of go in 
in like just time order. So the teams that played like in the 20s and 30s, uh, the biggest names for Argentina was uh, Guillermo Stabile, Raimundo Orsi, uh, Carlos Pucel, um, Luis Monte, uh, Luis Monte, and Raimundo Orsi, and actually Stabile. I don't think Pucel did, but the three of those guys are guys that started out playing in uh, Argentina and then they went over to Italy and a lot of their cards that you f- you will find is Italian cards in the thirties. So when you get a South American card, uh, and I should probably get to that after once I, once I rattle off these names, I'll kind of talk about just the cards in general from South America, but it's harder to find the uh, the earlier cards of these players when they are actually in South America. So once you get them, regardless of condition, uh, you want to hold on to those. And if you find the opportunity to grab some, it's worth doing. There are a decent amount of Monti- Montes and Orsis, actually, and Stabiles in Italy. The one thing you need to pay attention to is, like, his name is Luis Monti, but if you go to... Italy, a lot of the cards will say Luigi Monte. You just got to kind of pay attention to that. And you might think it's not the same guy, but it is. Those are the the big names from like the uh, the 20s and 30s. Luis Monte is actually uh, a pretty storied character. He's almost like the Roy Keane, but dirtier. A really hard tackling uh, midfielder. And uh, when he played for Italy, there was a, uh, a match between Italy and England. And I think they called it the Battle of Highbury or... I can't remember exactly what it was, but there was so many players sent off because it was just such a, a physical game. There was uh, one of the players broke his arm. You know, one of the goalkeepers broke his arm. I think it was Combi actually uh, had his arm broken in that game. And there was a lot of players. I think they ended up pl- finishing. The, one of the teams only had like eight players left on the field at the end of the the match uh, between cards and uh, injuries. Monty was a very physical, uh, not a not a goal scorer by any means, but he's a storied character. Uh, Raimundo Orsi is much more of a um, a skill player. He's one of the top guys in Argentina that I would want to um, get some cards of. Uh, fortunately, I have one that I'm very happy about having, but it's actually an Italian card. Actually, I have multiple of him from Italy, but I only have one from South America, and it's very difficult to find any. So very happy to even having the one. Um, so we'll move on to like the forties. Um, and there was one, like a major team. It was called La Machina, uh, the machine. There was five players from that. And actually Carlos Pucel, who I, um, mentioned in the previous group, he was kind of one of the players that kind of started La Machina and, you know, he kind of phased out and then other players came in, but he, uh, wrote a book about it and, uh, about the history of La Manquina and the players in that are uh, Juan Carlos Munoz, uh, Jose Manuel Moreno, uh, Adol- Adolfo Pedanera, um, Angel Labruna, and Felix Lusto. Played for River Plate. They basically dominated Argentine or Argentine football from like the or in the early 40s and actually at the end of their uh story is uh Alfredo Di Stefano so that's the uh, biggest name uh from that time uh from Argentina 
Let's see. So yeah, that's pretty much the major players in Ar the Argentina, um, <clears throat> you know, the history of Argentina and probably the players that you want to kind of look into. I, I know I kind of rattled off a bunch of names. So if you're interested in those names, I can um, just hit me up with a DM or something and I'll, I'll give you a list of those names. Um, before I get to the Uruguay and show you the, the photos of some of the cards, there were a lot of different issues in these times. Sometimes they were from cigarettes. Sometimes they were from food. A lot of them were tobacco early on, but it just seems like the amount of cards available is a lot less in South America. And a lot of them just got destroyed. I mean, there's so many cards I buy that like, I'm just happy to even find one. I mean, if it grades a PSA two, I would be ecstatic. Um, just because it's so beat up. I think others who do deal with South American cards will acknowledge the difficulty in finding high quality items of the star players. Cause a, to find a, a high quality item, you can probably do that, but then the chances of it being like one of these star players is very low. That's the challenge in the South America. So you, a, you have a lot of cards, a lot of different issues, but they're not really major issues. And then to find just find the right player in the right condition, it's it's virtually impossible. The best thing I've done, there are some decent sellers on eBay with some South American cards. It's a challenge right now getting anything ordered from, or, you know, delivered from um, Argentina. I got a Pele. That was at the end of August. I still don't have it. So I'm still waiting. I see that it's, he actually used tracking. So I see that it has landed in the States, but it's just stuck at the, um, the like Miami port. So I'm just waiting to see where it goes from there. So if you do buy something from South America and there are, that's really, there's just a few sellers. Um, there's also a site called Mercado Libre. Um, and they're kind of like the eBay of South America. So if you go there, you can kind of, search uh items there but it's kind of a challenge to make purchases because a lot of people won't ship to ship overseas there aren't the uh safety nets of ebay where if you kind of get screwed you you kind of get screwed there's no way around it and a lot of times they force you to use like their version of paypal and um at least in my efforts i haven't even been able to like they haven't allowed me to even sign up for it so um, there are people you can on eBay that you can like hire to purchase stuff for you uh, on Mercado Libre. So um, that's a way to get around it a little bit. And then they'll, they'll ship the stuff to you, you know, after they go acquire it and they charge you like a percentage over what you would pay on eBay. Well, I'll move on to Uruguay. Soccer or football has been played in the Olympics for a very long time. You know, it was even into the 1800s, there was like, you know, they say football was in the Olympics, but it was like two teams playing each other just as almost like a demonstration sport. Even into the 19 teens, I believe it was just three teams participating. And so like, I don't think it really got became like a real like event until like 1918. And then uh, 1924 uh, was in, yeah, it was in Paris. And then 1928, uh, both of those were won by the gold medal medal was won by Uruguay. And then 1930, which was the first world cup that was also won by Uruguay. So 
for me, that's pretty cool. You know, you got a team who want pretty much dominated, dominated world football during those years. Now, World Cup uh, was held in Uruguay, and it was uh, not every team back then. You didn't get all the teams to come and participate in World Cup like they, you do now. So it was mainly South American teams. I believe the U.S. was even involved. There, there were some teams, but the main players for me, because it's the, the um, players who participated in all three of those tournaments, um, and they were all major contributors. Jose Nasazi, N-A-S-A-Z-Z-I, um, he was the captain. So captaining the first World Cup champions, I mean, that alone to me, you know, that's a collectible offense right there. The other two big names that I pay attention to, and there might be other ones that, you know, if you once you start digging into the team, you might prefer. But uh, Jose Leandro Andrade, he was really the uh, the only black player on the team. So, like, it's kind of cool to see back then. I mean, and it was probably a little more common in South America than like the other um, countries like in Europe, but it was, you know, it was pretty cool to see um, a little bit more integration happening on the team. So he's one and he, and he was an exceptional player as well. So, I mean, that he's a guy that um, I have a few cards of that I've thrown into the safe deposit box that will just, they aren't going to be seen for the next uh, 20 years um, along with a few dozen others. And then Hector uh, Scarone, he uh, he's the third one. So those are the three main that I pay attention to for Uruguay. But I mean, getting any of them from that group of uh, like basically the three major tournaments in a row. And plus, they won a bunch of South American championships in the meantime. Uh, those are pretty much the uh, the players that I pay attention to. There's not a lot of cards from Uruguay. Um, a lot of them that you'll find of those players are uh, like celebrating the championship of of winning the World Cup or winning the um, it might even be like a French postcard um, from the Paris Olympics um, or or cards that were Olympic cards for that um, set. There's actually um, a Spanish issue with the 1924 uh, Olympic soccer teams in it, um, so you can find uh, the 1924. Uh, Uruguay team in that Eduardo uh, P set. I think I showed that in the Spain uh, episode. A lot of the other ones are kind of like the stickers that you'd put into albums. So they're, they're paper thin. A lot of them have been taken out of the albums. Uh, there's a handful that you'll find that aren't, haven't been, but I always wonder if they've just been uh, soaked off of the, sh- the sheet of the, or, you know, the album paper. Here is actually a Cigarillos crack um, it's from 1925, uh, obviously a tobacco issue. This is actually the best, the best shaped one I've, I've ever had. Um, so that's, that's why I'm showing you this one. A lot of them you'll see just uh, creases, tears, corners missing, that sort of thing. And then there are good versions out there. It's just this happens to be the best one that I own. Top right is 1926 plus ultra and also a tobacco issue. And that's a pretty big, big set. Um, this is actually card two in the two nineties. This is Independiente. Um, that's a team photo. And in the bottom right, you'll see uh, Raimundo Orsi. Okay. Then in the middle is uh Chocolatine uh, Laponia. 
and that's Carlos Pucel. Um, it's metal, so you can see the oxidation um, on it. A lot of those you run into into that just because they haven't been taken care of. They might have been sitting in somebody's uh, shed, you know, getting rained on and things like that. I think uh, Al El Rey he has some pretty pretty decent shaped ones, uh, but this is this one I have is not in good shape. Uh, the bottom left is Jose Nasasi. Um, that's a chocolate issue, um, and it's it goes into a uh, album uh, that's from 1932 uh chocolatine aguila you know a couple years after their uh, world cup championship and there's necessities into the uh 20s that you can find i just don't have one here to show you okay and then uh actually antonio sastre the bottom right that's 1936 uh leas del football that's a uh you know more of your typical um tobacco type card you know, you can find them and you can find some of them in pretty good shape, honestly. But uh, it just seems like every one of the uh, good players I come across is has like those creases like you can see in this photo. But, you know, to get a good player, you know, at all is, is a good thing for me. So here is actually some cards from Brazil. And all of these are 50s and 60s and 70s. So the one on the bottom left, I don't even know the date of this. I'm having a hard time dating it. I, I want to say... The earliest it is is 49, but I'm I'm pretty sure it's not that early. It's like 39 or 49 to 56 range, paper thin. Um, the same thing up above. That's a a Pele card from 62 or 64. Might be 64. Um, also paper thin. They're meant to be put into an album. That's a really big set, and it's all Pele. So like very easy to get a card of his from that set. Of course, the prices are starting to shoot up on anything of his. Uh, the bottom right is actually like one of the first, like I want to say, like what we think of as gum cards or trading cards uh, from Brazil. It's called Ping Pong. It's 1978, and it's actually issued by Tops. It's the same, like it's not under the Tops name, but it's a Tops card. I mean, there's I have no doubt in that. You know, some of the big names from. Uh, from Brazil from those years, uh, Zico, Falcao, Socrates, actually like the 1982 Brazil team, which is considered like one of the most talented Brazil teams ever, even though they didn't win the World Cup. Pretty much every player that started for that team has a card in this set. And it's a big set. It's like about, I want to say five or 600 cards, but there was like a huge gap of cards in like the 300s and 400s where they maybe only produced eight numbers in that range. So I don't know what the reason was for that, but so maybe it's like more of a 400 card set, but it's more of your traditional trading card set. Okay. This is Monte Cudine, which is the disc that has some questions to it. And I'm not, I don't know the answer. Um, so a lot of people claim they're from 1945 to 1947 range. If you look at the players and the years that they played that, that fits, but there's a lot of people that claim that these were, made at a, a later date and then now are being represented as earlier. I don't know the answer. I, I've said this on another episode, but PSA has graded some of the Di Stefanos of, of these discs. I don't know if I've seen really any others be graded because um, I know certain grading companies will not grade them or at, at some point they did not or weren't unwilling to. So they're, they had to have had some questions, but this is the card. This is La Bruna, who is part of La Maquina uh, that I was talking about earlier from Argentina. 
just wanted to give you an example. I don't have the back uh, scanned, but I, I can share it with you. There's a stamp on it that just says Monte Cudine. Um, sometimes it's in black, sometimes it's in green. I think those are the two main common ink colors that it's stamped on, but it's ultimate, it's really just a stamp that somebody, you know, dipped in a, into ink and then pushed down onto the back of it. So it's not super scientific. It's not, you know, printed on or anything like that. It seemed like, uh, Argentina, a lot of their issues were, were heavier cardboard and it seemed like, uh, Brazil, most of theirs were, uh, you know, paper thin. So I don't really know what to say about that. Here's a few more examples of that plus ultra from 1926. Up top, there's a, a card that has uh, Luis Monti on the left. And then on the right is uh, Jose Nasazi. You know, and you can see where those cards are just destroyed. <laughs> I mean, they just look really bad, but I'm quite happy to actually have those on uh, in my collection. Top right, bottom right are strip cards. Um, once Uruguay won the uh, World Cup, they issued these um, strips of um, all these cards connected of all the players, then the delegation and of the uh, association. So those are two of the cards uh, for, that were strip cards from, you know, after the celebration of the 1930 World Cup. I do like this one at the bottom. I mean, it's kind of under underrated in my opinion, just because it has the whole team on it. So there's a lot of guys on here that have won multiple major tournaments. I wish I had more about Brazil. Um, I'll be honest with you. That's my least knowledgeable, especially when it gets back into the thirties and forties, there's just not a lot of issues. And it's, there was never any players in particular that motivated me to do a lot of research on them. So hit up our boy, Al. Uh, he may know more about that. I do not know much once you get into the 30s and 40s. And I, honestly, I don't know if there's that many issues out there available anyway, especially in any shape to even be had in a collection because of it being so paper thin, the cards back then. I'm going to do another show, I think on Monday. Uh, the The pre-war card collector auction ends on Sunday night or Monday night. So maybe I'll wait till Tuesday to do um, the next episode just to kind of talk about any prices you know, that end up surprising or, um, you know, if anything looks like it's changed. But my experience, the market has has slowed down substantially from August and September and early October. So, I mean, the last two weeks, it's been noticeable how much it's slowed down, in my opinion. Uh, but I'll talk about that more uh, when I do the next show. And now that I think about it, it's probably more likely I'm going to do it Tuesday just so I have more data to uh, talk about. Appreciate you uh, watching or listening. And if you get a chance, I'd really appreciate you uh, reviewing if it's, you're listening to the podcast and you know giving me a five star if you enjoyed it um, or subscribing. And then also uh, su subscribe on YouTube if you're uh, watching the video and click the bell if you want updates when I go live. It's no big deal. I mean, you can always catch us at a later time. It's like a free DVR. Um, but anyway, thanks again for listening and watching, and I'll talk to you next time.